0: Attitudes, as you know and so uh, I'm about halfway through now we've actually come halfway through to Beatitudes, and I feel it's probably a good idea to uh, probably recap and so uh, and uh, just spend the, the next five ten minutes just just going over what we've already gone over so so so, first off, uh, the thing to know about the Beatitudes. Um, beatitude is a funny word. Uh, it comes from the Latin word beatitudo. See how similar it is? It's because they didn't translate it. And uh, when translated, it means blessed. Okay? Uh, hence, every single beatitude starts with blessed. So, uh, so yeah, so they're the blessings. Okay? And being blessed, it's important to know is being uh, in a a state of being well-off or being happy, and it's not temporarily so, or or possessionally so, but truly happy. And and it's funny, because the main goal of the human race, the reason why we seem to do the things we do, is to be happy. That's usually the end goal. Now, some of the things we do, whether sinful or not, do make us happy. There are stuff that are not sinful make us happy. And there are stuff that is sinful. And some Christians say, oh, no, that won't make you happy. But in all fairness, sin does make people happy. Let's just be, let's just be blunt. I'm not going to deny that. But they either bring negative consequences or they just don't last. And you need the next thing. Plus, none of anything you have will ever last when you die. That's just, that's just a fact of life. True happiness that lasts both now and forever is only found in Jesus. Okay? Now, I've been in my Bible plan. I've been reading Leviticus lately. So, ooh, okay. Which way is that going? Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. So, yeah. Um, thank you. I've been uh, so I've been reading Leviticus lately. It's an interesting book, but it's uh, it's interesting that God tells His people not just to worship Him, but how to worship Him. Okay. He thoroughly rejects worship that is not what he defines, okay? Now, so many people try and worship God the way they want to. Oh, I worship God in my way. This is the way I love God. You know, this is the way I do things, you know, for God. And he knows my heart, so it's fine. You can't judge me, la, la, la. But the trouble is, if you don't love God the way he tells you to love him, then you don't really love God at all, no matter how much you feel like you do or think you do. Okay? And it's here in these Beatitudes that Jesus is defining how we should be as Christians. In my first sermon on them, I explain they have this pattern. Okay? And so each Beatitude has, has two parts to it. Okay? The first part of each starts with blessed are the, so blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, etc. Right? Uh, and they are defining um, how we should be as Christians. That's the part that defines how we should be. And the second part of each beatitude starts with, for they shall be, or for theirs is. And this tells us the result of, or reward, of being the way he tells us to be in the first part. Okay, so, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the land. Okay, and these results and rewards are primarily about heaven. They're about our eternal destination. Though we also get to experience some of the reward in part now on earth, too. So I'm going to break down each one of the four beatitudes we've covered so far into these two parts. So I'm just going to reiterate them, re- re-say them, whatever. So the first one is it this one. Yeah. There you go. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who are truly God's are poor in spirit, meaning they know they need God, they know they can't please him without him, and they know they're unable to follow him, and that they're not good enough to even love him. They are the truly blessed ones. They are the truly happy, the truly well-off, because they will gain heaven. I'll state this. Those who think they don't need God will not go to heaven. I promise you. We need God. Those who mourn, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Those who are real Christians will mourn and hate their sin. That's what it's about. They won't be comfortable with it. They want it gone, they wrestle with it, they even weep about how sorry that their sorry sinful state, and, and, and they also they're also sad about the real problem of the world, which is sin, which is the cause of the death and suffering. They're not just Worried about the death and suffering, they're worried about the cause of it, which is sin. These people are well off because they will be comforted forever in heaven where there is no death, no suffering, no sin. And they will also receive comfort on earth now as God continues to remove sin from their life slowly over time. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Those who love God are those who are meek, that is, those who trust God, Uh, yeah, they're those who trust, uh, sorry, trust that God is for them in every area of life, who refuse to worry and stress about any situation because they give every area of their lives to God and know he will get them through no matter how dark, how depressing, how scary. They are people who refuse to get bitter or angry and they don't need to defend themselves or lash back when people insult them in any way or do injustice to them because they allow God to vindicate them and not themselves. They are people who know their own limitations of knowledge and understanding and they know their own fallibility and utter dependence on God. So they're slow to speak, quick to learn, kind and gentle when correcting others who they see is worth more than themselves. These people are incredibly happy, even though sometimes taken advantage of, because they are people who have the ultimate hope that they will get everything good in a new earth and a new universe. And finally, the last one we looked at was, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Those who are truly God's should be, and I think should be, desiring to be righteous above all else. Happy are those who who make that their pursuit, okay, because they will be satisfied, first in heaven, but they'll also be satisfied now on earth by receiving that righteousness they crave from God continually as they continually seek it. So they're the, they're the previous four Beatitudes. So I'm going to have a I can open it. Now when we look at these four Beatitudes, they all have one thing in common, Okay. They are all trusting in God. Every single one of them. Okay? Now, people in the first century, in first century Rome, who were poor... Were, and, and they were destitute beggars on the streets, okay? They were usually widows or orphans, okay? The poorest of the poor. Or, or, or they were d- diseased or crippled in some way and couldn't make a living, okay? They had no way of earning money, these beggars, okay? They, they, you know, uh, there is nothing for them, okay? Uh, they had no way of getting food for themselves. They literally had no choice but to trust the kindness and the charity of others, which was unfortunately most of the time fickle, Okay? Now, the poor in spirit is a nice overall title for these four Beatitudes because they're all coming from a place of utter poverty and need. They all scream, I need God. okay? I need you, God, to take away my sin which stops me loving and knowing you. I need you to release me from worries and stress and revenge by doing good to me and helping me trust you. I need you to help me even love and desire you. I need you to help me to please you and to live right for you. I need you. Have mercy on me, please. And God responds to that. He responds with compassion and mercy. And he gradually removes the sins we struggle with. He, he gives us peace and patience to trust in him. He enables us to love and desire and please him by living in righteousness. We ask but desperate and, and destitute. And he, he supplies compassionately and lovingly. When he's in the... Uh, When he's, in the, um, when he's in the desert um, and, and he's on top of uh, the mountain, Moses, um, God goes before him. Oh, there come up. And, um, and uh, he, he hides Moses in this rock and he passes by him and, then he, and he releases his hand so Moses can kind of see roughly kind of the back of him. He's not allowed to see his face. And, and, and God says of himself, he says, Yahweh, that's his name, um, Yahweh, Yahweh. A God merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That is our God, and it's quoted. That quote is taken like um, uh, everywhere else in like the the Old Testament. You see it dotted around. Jesus uses it. You know this. This is important because this is how God has declared Himself. Okay. Our God is merciful to us, and we completely, we're completely dependent on him. He's merciful. And it seems that if we are living in this state of receiving grace after grace from God, knowing how pitiful we are, how much we need him, we, we should be looking on others in that same situation and have mercy on them too, like our God has mercy on us. Okay? And that leads me to the next beatitude, which is blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. <coughs> In keeping with my pattern from earlier, um, or, or the way I explained it, this is basically saying those who are really gods, who are really Christian, who are really experiencing stuff from God, need to be compassionate and merciful to others. And those who do are so well off because, um, because they do and will receive mercy from God. Okay? Now, this is to start what I ne- like to call the four Beatitudes. These are the, the next four Beatitudes. Okay? So the first four, if I can get this to work, the first four focused on, um, on God himself, needing God. That's poor in spirit, mournful, meek, hungry and, hungry and thirsty. And they're all kind of a state of emptiness. I, I need something. I need you to fill me. Okay? And these next, these next four are like full beatitudes, being merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, being persecuted. These are all things that, you know, God is familiar with, that is what God is, you know, he is merciful, he is pure in heart, he is a peacemaker, he was persecuted as Jesus, right? Um, These are things that God is and has done, right? And, And it's impossible for us to be like that unless we receive grace from him first, okay? So, so... So the first form focuses on us needing God, but that's not the be all and end all of it. It doesn't stop with us. It doesn't just stop with us, you know, receiving, receiving, receiving. Okay? God wants you now trusting in Him and experiencing Him to go and be like Him in your life to others. It's supposed to overflow. Okay? We are to be like God. That's that's crazy, right? To be like God, humans? That's a tall order but not if you live your life according to the first four beatitudes. Okay, Living constantly as grace equips and changes us, and we live like him while still holding on to being poor in spirit and mournful and meek. We're living like him, but we're still in the first state, but but we're, we're being like him because he is changing us. Okay, The purpose of God throughout the whole Bible was always to bless others through his people by them emulating his goodness. Okay? In the Old Testament, it was kind of impossible. Their hearts were too hard. But now we have Jesus. Now he has come. He has given us his Holy Spirit. We can be like him because of that. Because of him who lives in us. We can be like God. Not be God. That's a, that's a false statement. That's Mormonism. That's whatever it is. That's wrong. We can be like God. Okay? And we can be so because he is merciful to us. It's not Oh. This guy, um, I was reading an article by Alan Ross, and he says, It is not that we are merciful by nature, this is in the context of being merciful, but because we have been shown mercy and live in constant dependence on the Lord. That's how we can be merciful. And Jesus tells us, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. We are to be like him, now we are receiving from him. Oh hello! My page is all messed up. That's not good. See I'm missing a page. There is. There we go. Sorry about that. So, what is mercy? Let's talk about what mercy is. Well, this is how Strong's defines it. Oh, maybe not. Um. So Strong's defines it as the word is the Greek word is a leo. Um, and this means to be compassionate by word or deed, especially by divine grace. It's to have compassion, pity on, to have, obtained, receive, show, mercy on. And there are, there are four main statements it makes. So to mercy is to have mercy on someone, to help one afflicted or seeking aid, to help the afflicted, to bring help to the wretched, and to experience mercy, which I've just talked about, we experience it. So mercy is compassion in action. Okay, it helps, aids, and provides for the poor, needy, afflicted, wretched, and undeserving. Okay, I'll say that again mercy is compassion in action, it helps, aids, and provides for the poor, needy, afflicted, wretched, and undeserving. Now I want to look in my Bible. The, the verse I wanted to quote was way too long. So, if, if you guys remember these, you know, the actual physical Bibles rather than our phone apps, yeah? Yeah? Remember those? If you, if you have that or a phone app, I, I, I'd like you please to turn with me. I'm, I'm going to um, Luke 10, and it's verse 25. I'm not going to wait for you. I'm just going to go. So, uh, so forgive me. Right. So. So uh, Jesus is talking to random people as usual, uh, Pharisees and whatnot, and it says, Behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says to him, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer answered, well, you should love God, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. Jesus said to him, yeah, you've answered correctly. Do that and you'll live. So Jesus kind of forced him to answer his own test on Jesus, which I find quite funny. Um, and and, 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 and Jesus, Jesus agrees with that. That is right. Okay? We are to love God above all else and love our neighbours as ourselves. Okay? But the lawyer... Uh, after answering his own test, he, uh, he decides to justify himself. He wants to kind of make sure he's, he's, he's right here. And he says to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? That's a good question. That's a good question. Who is my... Keep, keep, keep it there. That's a good question, right? I don't know about you. Okay, but me and Tam have some really, really good neighbours, right? We have, we have a we have a, a, a nice couple next door uh, who are grandparents. They're, they're really lovely. They even gave us our uh, outdoor table and chairs and stuff. Um, we've got a couple of families over the road from us, and, and they're, they're just they're just really great. They've helped me put up shelves and stuff before, and it's just really nice. And we like people like that, don't we? It's, it's nice build it. Even if your actual neighbours are painting. Right? Even if they're a pain, we we will have someone close to us that we like, right? And when we like those people, they're they're easy to like. They're easy to, to love. They're easy to be around. They're they're easy to help. You know, oh yeah, I'll help you, yeah, because you know you helped me last week. You know, it, it's easy. Okay, we we like most of us like helping those we like and whose company we enjoy, unless we're really selfish. And so we probably feel that our neighbours are those who are in close proximity to us in terms of friends, family. And I'm betting the lawyer's thinking exactly the same thing. Okay, I like my friends, I help out. So Jesus answers him with a story, and we all know this story. So Jesus replied, so I'm, I'm, I've got it in two parts, but rather than read it, then explain it, then reread it, I'm just going to do a running commentary, so just just hear me out, Okay, so Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now I looked on Google Maps, so uh, I know exactly how long this now takes to walk. Okay, it's about, it's about seven hours, and I personally wouldn't want to do that trip. Okay. <laughs> Just I'd drive or something, or get a, get a horse or a camel, whatever. Right? And um, so he's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed. Now, I want you to, I think sometimes we kind of forget like, that this relates to real life. Sometimes we just get caught up in the story, we don't really think about what we're reading here. So I really want you to just imagine this, okay? A group of robbers. You know, think, think of a gang, okay, a London gang, yobs, young yobs, Just think of that, right, because I've heard plenty of stories in the papers about young yobs beating people half to death, okay. No, th- I mean, really, let's seriously think about that. These guys have just left him for dead, okay, beaten him with, we don't know what he beaten him with either, it's sharp things, you know, bottles and that, you know, in, in London, whatever. This guy's beaten half to death, okay, let's get that. So he's lying on the floor, half dead. Okay. So now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. Priest, so that would be a pastor. So, imagine David. <laughs> right, you're welcome. <laughs> Just glad I'm not getting you to walk. <laughs> okay. And, uh, right, so, 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 pretty big guy. So, okay. This guy's probably going to help him. Right. And when he saw this guy beat half to death. He said that he actually made an effort to pass by on the other side so he doesn't just pass him by he looks at him walks to the other side of the road and then passes him by you know this guy makes an effort not to help out in any way okay and likewise a Levite now a Levite is someone who serves in the temple okay, or, or in, in synagogue or whatever, It would be the equivalent of a worship leader or social pastor. You can think of me if you really want, okay? So <laughs> a Levite goes down the road and he does the same thing. He passes him by, he makes an effort not to help him, okay? But a Samaritan, I need a pause here, because a Samaritan, Samaritans and Jews have this mutual racial hatred towards one another. Yes. You need to understand that. I mean, it's it's, it's the equivalent of the the, the whites and blacks in the slave trade, okay? It's like that, but a lot more fierce as well, okay? These guys hated each other. This guy's showing up. I mean, he's probably going to beat the guy the rest of the way to death if it was, you know. That's how it is. They just absolutely hate one another, okay? You need to know that. I keep dropping everything. Oh, no, whatever. (laughs) Not my day, okay? So... (laughs) So um, as he so as he journeys, so he's going down the same route. He comes to where he, he comes to where this guy is, and when he sees him, he has compassion. Now this word compassion is made up of two Greek words, and it basically means uh, to move the bowels, which doesn't sound pleasant. But it was a, it was an expression to feel sympathy or pity. Okay, so he allowed himself to feel sympathy for his enemy, okay? That's important, because I think a lot of the time we, we, we feel sympathy for others, but sometimes we just don't help anyway. I mean, there is nothing saying, and it doesn't say, um, in the, in the, for the other two, it doesn't say that they were unsympathetic when they passed him by. It doesn't say what their state of mind was. But I think a lot of time we can, oh, I feel really sorry for that person. I really hope someone helps him out, you know? <laughs> I, seriously, we, we, we do that. We do that. I, I've done it loads of times, Doesn't sound great, does it? But I'm serious. You know, we we have that sort of attitude. He had compassion. And he he didn't just stop there. He allowed his compassion to move him to action. He said he went to him, bound up his wounds, poured on oil and wine. Which is probably like antiseptic or something, right? right? So, So he gives him what he needs. And he doesn't just stop there. He says, then he set him on his own animal. Okay? so he's riding an animal and he puts it on he's probably not going to be riding this animal for the duration of whatever the journey will be he's, this guy is now on the camel kind of lying on it right? it's not like Legolas or someone who hops on it as well and goes Yah and, and flies off into the sunset with this guy on the back of the horse right? it's not like that, he's probably just sprawled across it and he's, he's going to lead him on the foot now okay? and depending where he is in this seven hour journey it could be three and a half hours walk to the nearest city Jericho or Jerusalem. Okay? And so he takes him to a city and he takes him to an inn. Okay? And he took care of him. I never noticed that before. He took care of him the rest of the day. He stayed with him. And the next day he took out two denarii. All right, a denarii is a day's wages. Okay? Two days' wages. Okay? What's oh, that? Yeah, a couple of hundred pounds easily, you know, depending on the job, of course. I mean, <laughs> so, so, yeah. so uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean so he takes out two days' wages and he gives them to this innkeeper and says, Take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. He is coming back to check in on this guy. He obviously has somewhere to be, so he's already probably a few hours out of where he wants to be, but he's he's made this effort, he's given him to an and he's like he looks up for the rest of the day and he's like, you know what I've really got to be somewhere, so here. Here's a couple of days' wages, take that, and um, I'm going to be back. And whatever more you spend, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll reimburse you, okay? That's good. The innkeeper's probably thinking, this is the best customer ever. You know, I'm going to spend this, these couple of days' wages. I'm going to try and get more out of this guy. You know, this guy's going to get the best treatment he's ever had, you know, sort of thing. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll try not to read too much into it. But, like, you know... But the point is, he goes out of his way and he spends himself for this person who is a complete and utter enemy. Someone he would, you, know, you just don't get on with. It's, it's, it's important. It costs this guy. Okay? John Piper says, An eye for distress, a heart for pity, an effort to help in spite of enmity. That is mercy. Yeah. Now, I, I, I find it really interesting in this story that the, the, the two people who refused to have any compassion at all to help in any way were a priest and a Levite, two religious people. Okay, and and, and he makes and he picks on this for a very very good reason. He didn't just randomly make things up; he picked them. Okay. See, it's e- and, and this is why. See, it's easy not to expect much of someone who hasn't really received mercy. It's, it, it, really, it, you know, there's no need to expect that from, from people. You know, we don't expect that. I mean, people are. There are lots of secular people who are nice and merciful. But you, it's, it's, you don't really expect it. There are people who still pass people by and stuff. Right? But to those who have received God's incredible mercy and grace... God expects a heck of a lot more from them. He expects a heck of a lot more. When, there's that story, right, where Jesus is eating with a bunch of tax collectors, right? And, uh, and, and, and they were traitors of their time. And he's eating with them, with other outcasts and rejects and people who are rough around the edges. And the religious leaders question him and say, well, why are you eating with those people? They're sinners, don't you know that? They're dogs. Which was the lowest word they had back then. That's sit, They're dogs. And Jesus says to him, you know what? You know, I'm not here for those who think they deserve me. But I'm here for those who know they don't deserve me. He says, go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What does that mean? Well, sacrifices back then were basically a way to gain God's favor. um, In in the Old Testament, uh, the animal would die on behalf of the man who brought it to the temple, just as Jesus died on behalf of us. It was a precursor to Jesus. And, And they were a way to make them acceptable to God, Okay, just as Jesus makes us acceptable to God. But, but not only that. But they also there were also a way of thanking God and worshiping Him. There were loads of different types of sacrifices, and and, and, and so and so people generally bought these things um, to, to to worship God. So thank you for this, thank you for that, and and, and and that's what they did. And and so that you know they would offer a uh, offer grain, a lamb, and goat, and then eat it with their friends and family, uh, worshiping and thanking God for His goodness and His provision. Excuse that. Sorry, this podium thingy is not really big enough, David. Now, listen to this I should really hold this Maybe not It's really slow today I don't know Okay, so this is Micah 6 Okay, With what shall I come before the Lord And bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year? Oh, yeah, with calves a year old. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of uh, thousands of rivers of oil? Basically, will he will, will he will he delight in all of my praise, in the best praise I can I could possibly give him? And he says, He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. God is saying here, I couldn't care less about your worship. I don't care about it. I don't care about your thanks and your good religious deeds and reading the Bible and doing this and doing that if you refuse to live in a way that is truly righteous and honouring to me and others. I refuse it. David Evans uh, said in the car the other day, I was with him, he says, they're awfully good at being religious, not so good at being righteous. Righteous. There's a difference. Jesus hates religious duty, especially when it trumps justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He absolutely hates it. Uh, We've got this other uh, verse in the Bible that says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! Because you, you tire the mint, the deal and the cumul, you, you do all these little little things, you make sure this is right and this is right, right? But 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 you neglect the weightier matters of the law. You neglect justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done, the, the little bits, without neglecting the big bits. Okay? You're blind guys. Blind guides. Blind guides. Strain out gnats, but you swallow a camel, you let go what is actually important. See, this would be the real reason why the priest and the Levite didn't help the guy on the road. Okay? Because their laws state that by touching anything dead or diseased and then adding their tradition to it, their extension, those bleeding, dirty, sinful, whatever, they become ritually impure, ritually, uncle- ritually unclean. And this is God's law in Leviticus. I've been reading it a lot, I can promise you that is what it is. But tell you what, it was not a sin to be unclean. It was just a sin to go into God's presence in an unclean state. It wasn't a sin to be unclean. Okay? It just meant they had to take a bath, wash their clothes, and stay out the temple for the rest of the day. That is it. That is it. No no judgment, no nothing. That's all, that's all they had to do. But that was too much of an inconvenience to them. It's too much of an inconvenience. They refused justice, mercy and faithfulness just so they could stay religiously clean. Pious, stuck up. It would be, it would, it would be like this. okay? It would be like someone asking you for help in whatever situation, desperately needing it and you saying, oh, I can't right now, I'm on my way to church. Or someone calling you up and, 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 and really desperately needing help and you're saying, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm, well, you probably wouldn't say this, but yeah, I'm in the middle of my prayer and worship time with God. I don't really want that to be interrupted. But it says, oh, no, I'm, I'm busy. Sorry. Right. Okay, let's get back to God. I'm really annoyed that my worship was interrupted. <laughs> or saying, yeah, I can't right now. I have to catch up on my Bible reading pad. I'm 10 chapters behind already. You know? Or, I'm not going to help that person because they're not Christian, like me. Or, I couldn't possibly help that person because they're dressed inappropriately, or they smoke, or they look like a druggie, or they swear. They don't meet my standard. Sam was telling me, on UCB, everyone know UCB? Yeah? On the, apparently on their Facebook page, they, they, they wrote this comment on a school who sent out a letter to parents asking them to stop wearing pyjamas when bringing their kids to school. Right? And uh, UCB uh, then asked its subscribers, followers, whatever they are, uh, for their opinions. That's uh, never good on Facebook. And, um, <laughs> and one woman added that she also saw a woman shopping in her PJs near her. And that she believes it's absolutely disgusting, and that they're dragging all women down into the gutter for doing so. And most people agreed with her. Okay? But here's the thing rather than gossip about her appearance, maybe she she should have been asking God how she could love and help that person. It's true. See, I think we are so far from mercy. We are so removed from loving others in our natural state. You know, We have this tendency instead to to look down on others and find fault with people who offend us in some way rather than seek if that person who is falling below our standard actually needs any help of any kind. As Christians, we can be so caught up in how people need to be that we forget that God gave us no need-to-be's before he came and helped us. Our master Jesus came to help us when we were at our worst, right? I mean, in his time on earth, the people he healed, who begged for his mercy, who who were deemed by law to be unclean, dirty, sinful, disgusting, whatever, he touched in order to heal them. And he spent time with them, and ate with them, and he enjoyed their company. Pharisees are saying, well, don't touch them. They're unclean. You'll become unclean too. Don't you know this? Jesus says, I don't care. Don't care. See, the thing is, going on to theology, he, he wouldn't be defiled anyway. See, when Jesus touched people, they became clean. He didn't become unclean. That's right. okay? he, did, he didn't become unclean. He had the opposite effect on people. Yeah. But even if he had had, Let's pretend, even if he had, he still would have acted the same way. And I can tell you how I know that, because he left his nice place in heaven as the almighty God. He came down as a human, right? so he's the supreme rule, and he came down as a human to muck in with us and help us on earth, who are nothing but dirty rebels against him, who need his grace to stop being like it. That's right. yeah. That is how good our God is. Philippians, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Because, though he was in the form of God... No, so he was God. He didn't, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped onto. He didn't, well, he didn't grasp onto it, okay? He emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, which is one of the worst punishments of that day. Okay? Church, we should be the same. Okay, We should be the same. Let us not look on people as though they're beneath us, but instead serve them, counting and believing them to be above us, no matter how low they appear to us. Okay, Let us spend ourselves for those who are poor or undeserving. Let us help those who are less than perfect. Are we not the same? Really? Are we not the same? Are we, are we perfect? No. no. So why do we expect that of everyone else? Are we not poor? Do we not utterly depend on the goodness and mercy of our God? See, here's the thing if, about this beatitude. Um, Blessed and the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. See, the opposite is true. Always is in these beatitudes. Okay? If we lack mercy... And God's mercy towards us will dry up. Only the merciful really receive mercy. And you can only be merciful by depending on God. I'm going to read another thing. This You can turn to it. Uh, it's quite long. Uh, not too long, though. It's uh, Isaiah 58. I'm going to read from about um, verse 3. Um, listen to this. Okay. This is Old Testament stuff. They seek me daily and they delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God, don't we? But then they say, but why have we fasted and done all these religious stuff and you don't see it, God? You know, why have we humbled ourselves and you, you don't take any knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast and your religious stuff, you seek your own pleasure and you oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice heard on high. Is that, is that the fast, the religious duty that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Uh, is that what you call a fast? Is that what you call acceptable to me? Is this not what I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the straps of the yoke. To let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house and when you see the naked to cover them and not hide yourself like the priest and the Levite from your own flesh? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Then your righteousness shall go before you. Then the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard, and you shall call and God will answer. You shall cry and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the burdens, okay, the pointing of the finger and spreading wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hunger, if you spend yourself for them, and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in the darkness and your gloom is the moon day. noonday. Sorry. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. Then you shall be like a well watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. <laughs> Let's imitate him in our lives. Okay, it's not about what we do, it's not about being religious, and it's not about making sure we get all the time we can with God when it's someone else's expense, okay? Let us be light and salt to the world, okay, church. Let us be shining examples of God's love to us. So if we've truly experienced God's love and mercy, we will be the same. Francis Chan says, how ludicrous it is to hold on to the abundance God has given us, both in spirit and in possessions, and merely repeat the words Thank you. It's ludicrous. Stupid. Doesn't make any sense. I mean there's this there's this there's this there's this um the the, the feeding of the five thousand, right? Everyone roughly knows that, right? And Jesus, Jesus breaks the bread and the fish and there's only like a few loaves and, and a couple of fish and there's like 5,000 people and that's only men. Just think if everyone had them had a partner <laughs> and children. Right? 5,000 people. And he gives them to his disciples and says, here you go, eat, be filled and, and make sure you pass on. And these disciples could have just held on to it said, there's not enough here for five. I need food. I need food they didn't they trusted Jesus and they gave what they had and God still made sure they were full right. them and the next lot and the next lot and the next lot okay he will fill you but only if you give see if they'd held on to it he probably wouldn't have done as much in fact, I, I, I find when I'm in a state of giving, I receive more from God so I can give more. Amen. Yeah? Amen. Amen? Good. Good. Here's the thing, guys. If you find you're not acting this way, if you find you... you, you because we should be honest with ourselves. We should be honest with ourselves. All right? All right? If you if we find we're not merciful, even though we love God or whatever else, if we find we're not merciful, we're not acting that way, then here's what you need to do. We need to come back to the cross of Jesus and ask Him to break your hard heart. Don't be ashamed that it's hard. We're all like that naturally. The only way to break it is by coming back to Jesus. Okay? Sometimes we get caught up and familiar with the story of the Bible that we forget its actual true weight and meaning. And sometimes it's just in our heads, right? But it hasn't moved to our hearts. Okay? So if that's the case, Let's fall before the cross and beg him to change our poor spirits and our hard hearts, which have no love for God or man, and give us grace to be rich in both of those. And don't stop there. Okay? In fact, all of us should do this. Right? The burnt offerings in the Old Testament were offered daily. Okay? The, 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 you know, the fact that someone had died for them was done daily. Okay? Or something had died for them is daily. We should do the same remembering Christ's death for us. Daily, morning and night, okay? And, 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 you know, remembering him and all he's done for you every single day. Not as a religious duty, okay? Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't want it as a religious duty. I wouldn't want to do it as a religious duty. But it's as a poor beggar asking for more of the daily bread that we actually need to live like him. Okay? The more often you remember your own worthlessness and what he did for you and thank him for it. And we need to remember to do that. Thank him for it the more you'll live in his grace and the more you will imitate his grace naturally in your own lives to others. I'll state the words of Piper again, okay? An eye for distress, a heart for pity, an effort to help, effort to help, in spite of enmity. That is mercy. And that is how we should be. At the end of Jesus' story in the Samaritan, after he's finished his story, he says, um, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among those robbers? Which one? Was it the priest? Was it the Levite? Was it the Samaritan? And he, he doesn't say Samaritan because he's so racially hatred towards him. He just says, the one who showed him mercy. That one. Jesus says to him, you go do the same. Do likewise. Do likewise let 's do the same. Let us spend ourselves let 's pray Father God, I just want to just thank you for for helping me this morning and i and I, I just pray you know this this is all so. Real. This is also true. You know, this this is how we need to be as Christians. You know, I just I just pray, Lord, that just 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 help us to continue coming to you every single day. Let's be poor in spirit. Let's admit our need for you every single day in all things. And I pray you fill us. I, I pray that uh, the lighthouse becomes known for for mer- to, for their mercy for and, and in fact the whole church really just 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 for for being like you. I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Jesus, that you died for us. I thank you so much that you know you lived for us and, and, and you know, you've you experienced life in us. You, you, you came in the form of a servant. You came to serve, not to be served. To, uh, you, you are truly great. You are our master. You are our God. We respect you. We love you. We honour you. You are so good. Let us be the same, please, to others, Lord. Please, change our hard hearts. Let us be merciful. Let us have compassion on people that we see. Help us to be more helpful. Bless you. You are so good. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Amen.